Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio, converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. What does a guy who spent much of his career learning the ropes in commercial radio and audio know about podcasting that your average podcaster doesn't know yet? Uh, well, I, I guess from my point of view, I was making podcasts and producing podcasts, which were kind of radio spin-off podcasts way back in the late sort of 2000s. Hmm. But it, we didn't really see it as a craft then. It was just a you know, a, a new, another strand of, of the radio out, output. We, yeah, we didn't think anything of it. We just approached it in the same way that we were produced the radio shows that we were producing. It just happened to be pre-recorded you know, mm. instead of live. And I think that the biggest thing that I take, which is, which is for me, just second nature, having produced radio for many, many years, is the, the fact that, you know, you want to be making content for hmm. the audience and taking that audience first approach. So, you know, the golden rules of, of radio, you know, speak to, speak to one person, don't speak to many people, you know, what can you be doing? How is that? How is the content that you're, you're creating going to enrich that person's life? How is it going to hmm. add value to their life? How is it going to make them s smile, make them laugh? Everything you do, is for the audience you know there may be brand messages from that radio station that you try and get across you know your tag lines or you know promo lines or or anything like that but that's all done through the medium of making content that is for that audience and you know for me that's exactly the same for a podcast hmm. you should never set out to make a podcast with the idea of i've got this thing to say i need everyone to know about it it should be how is what I've got to say going to be useful and beneficial and interesting to that audience? And how can I deliver it in a way that they're going to enjoy it and they're well, going to find entertaining? How do you know the answer to that? What qualifies you to say, this is what the audience is interested in. This is what they laugh about. This is what annoys them and so on. Well, I think, I think it's just having that, having that real understanding of who, who the audience is. Well, so, you know, uh, nowadays with 1860 making podcasts with with brands that is the first thing we talk about getting that understanding of the audience finding out who it is that we're making this podcast for and if you think about brands they've already done that work they oh. know exactly who their audience is they've done research you know they they know who their customers are so it's turning turning that into you know your research for the podcast and i guess oh. if you're an independent podcaster who wants to set up a podcast again think about who it is that you you want to reach and what's lacking for them what what oh. what are the things that other people other me people or other media isn't being able to get across to hmm. them and where the, where are the gaps and how, how can you fill it hmm. radio seems to do that really well didn't it that seems to be how it survived as it knew the audiences really well and that was sort of almost like default position that you would start with right yeah and if you think about it from a radio point of view they exist 
they are granted a license because they they are able to produce content quite exquisitely for mm. a particular audience otherwise they wouldn't get a, they wouldn't get a license granted to them it's the reason why when you turn on uh, your favorite radio station you know exactly what sort of music you're going to get you know exactly what the tone of the presenters are going to be like because they are they are speaking to you as their as their mm. listener that's why yeah. you choose to tune into them and they would they they just couldn't can't suddenly one day decide uh to start playing different sorts of music or or completely change their mm. their audio their sonic identity because they wouldn't be allowed because mm. you know that's that's not why they exist the license wouldn't wouldn't allow for it so i think in in radio terms it's come from a one from just being able to stand out above the other radio stations and through all that competition and um you know from a, a legal point of view but and also because they know that they know what works because it's tried mm. and tested so there's so many parallels i think you can draw from from that and how podcasting has evolved into the industry that it, that it is mm. today well i want to start by looking at your amazing mind this podcast mm. that you did with university of bristol because that's a classic example of, of everything we talked about is that people often start out on that journey of this is what i want to talk about this issue this campaign these talking points and not having the benefit of seeing or heard what's possible. People naturally assume that a podcast should be a bunch of interviews. Often, you know, one guy interviewing another guy with a microphone, and these are 45 minutes long, and there's six of these in a series. And so somebody comes to you with a proposal like that, that's where you earn your crust, isn't it, as a producer and a a designer of podcasts, knowing actually this is what the audience really wants. So tell us, walk us that through that process in, in terms of what you turn that into. Mm, yeah, well, it's it's really exciting when you work with um, with anyone, be that be that a, a brand or an organisation, you know, who are willing to sort of trust you know their brand and their their idea with you um, to work work it up into an idea that that is going to sort of chime with their audience. So thinking about how you could create this content in, again, thinking about the audience, you know, thinking about how is this information going to be interesting to them mm. and trying to set aside any preconceptions of what you think a podcast might be. Um, so in terms of, of that podcast, it was, um, the idea is it's supposed to help students who might be sort of dealing with difficult mental health issues and we're recording this in mental health um awareness week at the moment so there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about this sort of stuff and it's it's about uh, highlighting the different issues that students face but providing some real real advice to them as well and the original idea that that they had is you know we'll get we'll get a student an expert and a psychotherapist in a room we'll just have a we'll have a conversation mm. But there has to be someone who's kind of a great mediator in that conversation to be able to mm. to, to bring that conversation to life and you know, not having any experience in having made podcasts before. Um, you know, that, was, that, that, that could have been a challenge. But also, we're talking about sensitive issues here. So is it right? Is it the right way to go about it to 
to sort of have an open conversation mm. with with a student around a, a, and for them to recount a, 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 a particular issue that's very sensitive to them. And how could we do that in a more a sensitive way and b uh, a way that kind of brings it to life in a, a bit more viscerally? So what mm. we did is um, we recorded the student stories completely separate, and we put those together with some nice sound design to really bring those stories to life. So the student was having a one to one conversation. The interviewer wasn't was edited out of that of mm. that interview, and we got the student to recall their recall their experience in their own words and the podcast starts with that after that there is the conversation between you know an, an expert and a psychotherapist and we bring the student back into the conversation mm, as well but mm. they don't have to re get they don't have to go through all those details again in that in that group setting we've already heard that and i think that there's two ways that i think that, that makes that podcast work is is one your dividing the content up into sections which mm. hopefully helps people listen to, listen for longer they're easily digestible sections uh, and two you're creating more emotion and more feeling within within that content and especially with a topic that's close to people's hearts who might be mm. listening i think that's really important yeah i love the way you've done it and structured it designed it i think is the key word here the format that you've made that it, out of what could have been a very traditional podcast interview and then you've you've made it about their story, and then the roles of the experts effectively is to give it context mm. rather than interview. I think about, for example, uh, like Ira Glass and mm. This American Life does a pretty good job. I haven't listened to it too recently, but in the early days when that really was sort of like the shining light in audio design and storytelling. I mean, obviously it came from NPR. So it came from the world of radio first, right? And he would be the narrator as opposed to the interviewer. And then, you know, he would give it context. And then you would go into the story about the some, somebody who owned a diner or whatever it may be. And then you'd hear all the plates clinking and the, you know, the, that sort of like vibe and the, the ambience you get of sitting there, right? So, you know, somebody's consciously gone into that and said, what is the story and the feeling we want to create? for the audience here and that just where do you get those ideas from for that does it come from just hearing lots of examples of it or where do you get the inspiration for that the great thing about podcasting as everyone says is, is it's low low barrier to entry and, ev and everyone can can try it out but i think the a podcast can really benefit from experience and i think that you know i think it's undervalued not necessarily undervalued but just kind of overlooked i think is the is the value of of sort of experiencing in mm. making radio or audio or audio um content and i think that experience is is one thing and but i a huge part of it is just being a listener and listening with intently with a kind of a critical curious mm. ear, ear so the best film directors are also huge, you know, huge film fans. They're huge film film nerds. They can recount, you know, how things are made and favorite scenes and all of that sort of stuff. And you know, the best podcast and audio producers, you know, listen to lots of podcasts. They listen to lots mm. of radio. And I think that that way you can just borrow things, you know, and be inspired by different things you've heard and think. And I don't think you do it in a conscious way. I think it just it just naturally becomes mm. okay, well I heard this I heard this thing once. I like the way that they they do that. Mm. And, um and I think that that just sort of naturally sort of seeps into your work. I don't think it's a kind of conscious thing. I think it's no. just a case of being 
just really into that content and into the medium. It's patterns, isn't it, that you've, you've picked up, like music. You influenced by certain musicians and bands that then imprints on you. You've got these patterns, these chord sequences, that riff, that bridge and so on. And these become the building blocks which you take into your work. That's where I think that people's expertise comes into its own. There's real value in experts in, in their field. So you might have someone who is just obsessed with audio diary type podcasts or like in you know in their own words type podcasts or you might have somebody who just has a deep passion for documentary podcasts or someone who really really knows interview podcasts and i think that finding the right person to work with who Mm. is also an expert in their field who who, and you know that's what you know you talked about music that's what Mm you know a band they want to try it try a new direction or they want to sort of experiment they'll hunt out the producers who've worked on who with mm. specific specific skills rather than an all-rounder who can do a bit of everything so i think mm. there are some really really talented producers and editors and sound designers out there but they've all got their specific skills and i think that that can really help mm. who inspires you then who's really pushing the envelope in podcasting at the moment let let me give you some examples and you tell me what you think i mean classic examples that people are aware of i mean let's take wondery business wars for example which is like one of the i think number one business podcast globally as that as a format does it inspire you i think what they're doing and that they they you know they're creating their own style Mm. um and i think that those big companies you know wondery gimlet They've created a style of their own and, you know, th- those Wondery shows, really well produced, great guests, great scripts, great music. Mm. It's what you come you come to expect. And as a, as a listener, you know that when you switch on one of their shows, you know, mm. you're going to get re- re- real high quality. Um, mm. And as I said, Gimlet have done the same. And, you know, in the UK, the BBC have been doing what they've been doing for many, many years and, and still come out with great podcasts the my latest one i'm listening to is the lazarus heist from bbc world service which is really eye-opening why, why does that work for you tell us about that uh, I just because it's in, it's investigative it's an investigation into what happened with the hacking of sony by mm. allegedly north korea um a few a few years back and how that all unfolds and i think that they they did an, an amazing job with a missing crypto queen as well and that was that was another bbc podcast but what i think the bbc have you know a huge organization and it's like turning a ship around to try and sort of change the way that they they do anything but they've taken what they do really well in making radio and they've had to kind of adapt for podcasts uh, and i think british podcasts are kind of finding their own hmm. their own sound now rather than just trying to imitate what American kind of di- dictated what a podcast should should sound like. I know we're going a bit off topic here, but oh, that's interesting um, angle. I think it is because there are parallels with music, isn't there? Like you learn a rock and roll, and you're you're a cheap knockoff of rock and roll, but then you kind of learn your own style and maybe even better it, right? Yeah, and I think that when the US caught onto podcasts a lot quicker and a lot sooner than we did and you know you, you mentioned this american life and obviously serial and, and podcasts like that and they had a particular sound and i think that people maybe inadvertently or or obviously it imitated those and those you hear those though that that thing like you know you 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 turn the microphone on and it's already recording you 
record a bit of the preamble in an interview. You hear that on Radio 4 now mm. in, in mm. the UK. You, you hear it on radio. So those podcast tropes have, have transferred mm. onto, onto radio. And I think that rather than just imitating a sound of what a podcast should be like, podcasts have started to influence audio, the whole audio landscape. Hmm. That's fascinating. I haven't noticed that. Maybe that just creates a more authentic vibe. I've noticed, I mean, just off topic, but it, I suppose it's the same, but you know, like a different world, but like in movies and, and especially on Netflix, there's a specific um, technique where they don't put the movie camera on a, the rail you know, the, the train track. So it's handheld. So they can have these kind of one shot scenes and they're quite shaky. And sometimes you're watching a documentary you think, or like a movie and you think, this is really shaky. Why are they doing this? Like, it's mm. like, couldn't they afford like yeah. anybody more than the intern to do this? But these are deliberate techniques. It's kind of like that open mic thing. They're trying to deliberately create that feeling of authenticity. That's how I kind of see it, right? Well, interestingly, I wonder whether, and you see it in, in document, there was one, I can't remember the, which one it was on, on Netflix recently, and uh, a TV documentary, you see the person sit down, you you see the boom mic in shot in the, in the screen. Hmm. And that's all stuff that would be left on the quitting room floor originally. Now, have they got that from podcasts or did podcasts... That did the would were US podcasts influenced by something that they'd seen, or maybe it's the, a bit of a a bit of a mixture. But I think that we are, I think, because we like things that are are, are real, mm. and especially if we're watching a documentary. And I think that like that goes back to what you were saying. Mm. People like like things to to look and feel and sound real and genuine, and especially this day and age as well. I mean, everything's all about sort of trust and things like that you know i it, that helps to convey that message of of reality mm. i think mm. yeah fascinating i even that that boom mic point i haven't noticed that but now you mention it, it you is will now <laughs> yeah i know exactly it's annoying now it's going to be everywhere but the, mm. yeah these are subtle it's almost going the extra it's it's more work to prove that you're more real right it's easier to be fake mm. in the sense that you, you obviously this can be done by tech Audio has this very unfakeable element that you can't fake a human conversation. You can fake a human transaction. Like you can have somebody phone up a restaurant and order something and pretend to be a human. But if that person then says, oh yeah, I haven't seen you for like a couple of weeks. How's the kids doing? It's like, boom. It's like no AI could, with the kind mm. of genuine authenticity get involved in that conversation. And I think that's something purely, uh, you know, the strength of audio. That's kind of what we're, you know, you know, I'm an AI graduate. I graduated in 95, like long <laughs> before it was even a thing, right? There's like being too far ahead of your time. <laughs> and I certainly was, there's was no jobs in AI back then, but I see like, you know, AI is like enjoying this. This is the era of the machine, but that's driving this authenticity, whether it is, like you say, the open mic on Radio 4 or the shaky camera or the boom mic or the fact that people want audio. That's the age of authenticity, if you like, that's coming around because people know, like you say, it's all about trust. People know that everything else can be faked. Everything else can be manipulated, yeah. even like your face on Instagram, right? Or TikTok. 
So I feel it's like, this is what it's about now. It's about something that's very authentic and very human. And, you know, even going back to your case study as well, the real stories from the student, that was how you captured it. That was the right thing to do. Have those kind of like, you know, like, this is me. This is my story, not like an interview. Yeah, and uh, I think that remiss of us not to mention Clubhouse, but not just Clubhouse, the the the, the number of, of live chat room apps mm. and services that are, that are cropping up on all, all of the platforms. And, um, you know, what we're seeing is um, not, not, is not Clubhouse owning that, it's inspiring inspiring lots of others mm. to do the same i noticed the other day peanuts which is the kind of a tinder app yes. for for mum for new for parents and a lot mainly mums but parents um they've just started a peanut chat um i can't remember what it's called now but a peanut chat sort of section of the where people can go and have real conversations in real time it's basically it's basically their own version of clubhouse and you know it's because you know, you can't you can't filter those things, mm. and it provides for some sort of genuine conversation. And there, my feelings are that it's all great in terms of people are more open to hearing audio now. As a, um, they've always liked listening to the radio, and radio is always popular. And it was, I think, it will always will be popular in its own way. But people are more open to audio as a medium in other forms mm. now and it's not so weird for someone who doesn't mm. really listen to podcasts or listen to audio to to sit there and listen to something anymore we've all got iphones and personal headphone sets and earbuds and all, all sorts so yeah i think that it's only it's only natural that sort of that these these platforms can exist now mm. Mm. but what that does do is it opens up a challenge for how do we keep this content this goes back to this radio thing about how do we keep this content relevant and you can mm. tell that the producers or the clubhouse hosts or the presenters or whoever it is who who have a background in kind mm. of broadcast or or speaking or how to um how to put you know how to design something as you said earlier on um and i think it's it's taking that step back again thinking about who the audience are thinking about how you can present this in a way that's going to be interesting to them and and hold their attention um it's one thing that we didn't mention earlier on you listen to the radio every 15 minutes they'll be telling you what's coming up in the next 15 mm -hmm. minutes or within the, within the next hour all the time it's it's ingrained in radio and i don't think podcast does do, podcasts do that enough yet like not that many podcasts keep reminding you mm. of a reason to to keep on listening to the end and it's okay having a it's all, it's all well and good having a huge number of podcast listeners but we need to everyone needs to be looking at the completion rates of those episodes mm. of how many people are actually listening to the end and what can you do to keep people listening and that's a huge you know that's a huge thing that you can benefit from learning from from radio for clubhouse events or podcasts or whatever you're making You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com. <laughs>